Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. Today we're visiting with four missional leaders in Southern Baptist life on the cooperative program stage in the exhibit hall at the Southern Baptist Convention. They offer different perspectives and insights with one passion, to make Christ known among the nations. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the CP stage. We are glad that you have joined us. My name is Sandy Wisdom Martin. I serve with Women's Missionary Union. And joining us on stage are Mark Bethay, Senior Pastor of Montgomery First Baptist Church in Alabama, Liz Insinia, Executive Director for Kentucky WMU, Chris Martin, Executive Director for the Hawaii Pacific Baptist Convention, and Tamika Jones, Executive Director for WMU of Texas. We are thrilled to have you. The topic for today is Making Disciples of Jesus Who Live on Mission. Let's start with this question. What person, place, or experience first really opened your eyes to missions? Can you think back that far? What person, place, or experience really opened your eyes to missions? I guess I'll start. All right, Tamika. Probably when I was 12 to 13 years old during Hurricane Hugo. I'm a native of South Carolina, and so it really brought those Sunday school lessons to life where we met the needs across the state. There was flooding. There were people displaced. And so it was a chance just to meet needs. And so that's one experience for me. Very good, Tamiko. What about for the rest of you? I recall my earliest years in church when the missionaries would come and visit during times of RAs and GAs and hearing those testimonies and seeing what God was doing fascinated me even as a child. I would agree. It's around the same concept of just being in the church and the church introducing you to missions through GAs and then through our association. I just remember adults and women in my life who said, this is important, you know, and we pray and we go. And so I think that was a huge game changer, just opening my eyes to missions. I think it was my first trip uh, our church took to the Bahamas uh, as a 10th grade mission trip and uh, spring break trip. So I thought, oh, this is going to be cool. And uh, my eyes were open to missionaries, evangelism training throughout that process, and then getting on the field and seeing firsthand what missions look like really opened my eyes there in 10th grade. Uh, It was a really special, special trip to take. Well, thank you to all of you. You know, they say the greatest indicator that someone will go to the mission field is interaction with the missionary. Do you remember the first missionary you ever met? Well, I do. It was through what's called, used to be called Black Church Week, but now it's called the Black Church uh, Leadership and Family Conference. Mm -hmm. I met missionaries who were then retired, the Cornelius family, Brother David and his wife, who served in Nigeria. And that was one of the first experiences for me. And I recall them being just, just compassionate individuals who gave their life to service. Wonderful. Yes. Even reflecting on the first question, it, it was in those early years. And I remember as a, I can't remember if I was a lad or a squire or where I was in the process, but I do recall uh, when the missionary, uh, one gentleman in particular came and he began to speak about what he was doing in South America. And it totally fascinated me and captured my attention. I don't remember his name, but I can see in my mind that setting still. And I'm very, very thankful for it. I reflect on that quite a bit. So my introduction to missionaries was in my own family. My great uncle, Paul Garcia, was one of the first church planners, Hispanic church planners for the North American Mission Board or Home Mission Board at the time. 
his name is still in the prayer calendar. And so um, just knowing that him and his wife, you know, left Texas to go be missionaries in Missouri, that was huge for me. And then with my aunts as well, they served as river missionaries at the Rio Grande. And so that was just a huge part of my family growing up, knowing that we had missionaries in our family who went. Good. In fourth grade, I was assigned a school project on Uganda, the country of Uganda. And our church, uh, through RAs, had a missionary who had done work in Uganda. And so uh, I had him come and speak. And so we spent time together. He showed me all the stuff that he had done in Uganda. I learned about Uganda, but I learned about his heart for a country and heart for missions. Uh, so that was a neat experience. First kind of introduction to meeting a missionary who had gone overseas and done extensive work overseas. Super, super neat. I find this very very interesting that most of us can't remember what happened yesterday, but we can remember in great detail those missional experiences from childhood. I think that is significant in this discussion. My little country church has 50 children involved in missions every Wednesday night. My little town has one flashing light, and we have 50 children involved in missions. I believe it is the greatest outreach beyond VBS that our church does. Half of the children that come to missions are not involved in our church, and so it is a significant outreach opportunity. Mark, your church has 300 people involved in intentional, ongoing missions discipleship from birth through adulthood. Your wife teaches preschoolers, teaches mission friends, and also leads a women on mission group. As a pastor, what do you think are the benefits of ongoing missions discipleship? The benefits are, I mean, go on and on for hours talking about the benefits of that. From the beginning, our church has had missions in its DNA that we believe in going and sharing and telling the good news of Jesus. 193 years ago, a missionary came to Montgomery to plant our church as a mission to Creek Indians. And so 193 years later, we're continuing that calling. As you leave our church, there's a sign that says you are now entering the mission field. Mm -hmm. and, and we believe through RAs, GAs, mission friends, and all the way up that we want our kids to know Jesus, but also know what that means for us to go and tell others. And so we have IMB missionaries who come and, and teach RAs and GAs. And we believe from the earliest of ages, we want to distill in missions discipleship so they know we're praying for missionaries, but we're also called to be a missionary right where we are, that we have our businessmen come and talk about what it means to be a missionary in their world. From the earliest of ages, we see the fruit of that. And just this week, we sent out five different mission teams from our youth choirs to teams in Brazil, teams in New York. And we're just seeing the fruit of missions discipleship at the youngest of ages bring forth great fruit. And when they're ready to go, as they get older, they're ready and itching to go and make disciples where they are in their schools but also in their businesses. And then they're calling through journeymen as they get out of college and all these different programs that IMB is doing such a wonderful job uh, helping us raise up young missionaries. Wonderful, thank you. Well, Chris, you're a trustee of the International Mission Board. And Southern Baptist has said by 2025, we want to have 500 additional missionaries on the field. Why is missions discipleship important to that? Uh, it's an incredible question. For us to consider missional discipleship is, uh, as Mark just discussed, you're going to have a church that not only teaches spiritual disciplines and uh, the power of the Holy Spirit and understanding the, the scriptures and how God desires to use us, but then that work also turns the disciple mm -hmm. into the field. 
and engage the field and be missional in life. And it's more than just understanding that disciple making is in my church or disciple making is a part of of what we do uh, when we're in these certain settings. But missional discipleship mobilizes us in every way Mm -hmm. we're living. So if we're ever going to see the SBC as a network of missional churches engaging the field, if we're ever going to see the IMB reach that goal, we must be that network that follows missional disciple-making with a passion and an intentionality. On a side note, I feel very strongly about our leadership at the IMB, from Dr. Titwood and his leadership team all the way in through the the field leadership and into our units in the field. We have an incredible, Mm -hmm. incredible team at the IMB. You're right. I think that there's a movement, there's a renewed energy for what God is doing through IMB and through our churches in missional disciple-making that is going to shoot us well beyond that number of 500 plus 500 in in the IMB. I think the future is incredibly bright, and I'm excited. Well, may it be so, Brother Chris. Can I add to that? You mentioned renewed energy, and I believe in the state of Texas as well, we are feeling the same thing. There's a renewed energy towards missions discipleship. And so the new start request for WMU uh, missional groups, is so exciting. So we're, we're just blessed to be a part of history in that. How incredible. Well, Tamika, I wanna ask you a question. Through WMU's curriculum, we teach people to pray, we teach people to give, We encourage people to learn about God's work in the world. We teach people to do missions, and we teach people to share their faith. Now, I think we're pretty good at praying and giving and learning about God's work in the world and even doing missions. How do we get people to share their faith? You know, Sandy, there are so many different methods to sharing your faith, but I believe it all comes down to what do you believe and why? And as you begin to understand your why, you begin to understand who the Lord is to you. And so I like to share with people, you know, who were you before you came to know Christ? When you met him, what was that like? And then after you met him, how has your life changed? Tell that story. I believe, you know, especially over the last few years, everybody's got a testimony. And so tell that story. And so just sharing with people, it's not difficult. And if you need to practice, practice practice on someone else. But I believe for such a time as this, it's urgent that we share that story and help someone else know who the Lord is. I totally agree. We have got to start having gospel conversations. We have Christians that go their entire life without ever sharing their faith. Would any of you like to chime in on that question? How do we get people sharing their faith? It's really just encouraging them to take that risk take that risk to share. You know, we have some opportunities that are right in front of us, whether we're at the grocery store, whether we are, you know, we revisit that same gas station over and over. The mission field is right there. All we have to do is remember to look through that lens of the gospel and and share that story. I mean, I think about an opportunity I had last night with an Uber driver, and I have a captive audience right there being able to share my story and how Jesus changed my life. And and I pray that that was a seed for him. And so, you know, just taking those risks, taking those opportunities to share and being willing to do it. I think that's key. Very good. Well, Liz, I want to ask a follow-up question to you. In the future of missions, the research shows that most Christian parents' goals for their children are indistinguishable 
from non-Christians. Let me say that again. Most Christian parents' goals for their children's future are indistinguishable from non-Christian parents. This is a discipleship problem. What do we do about it? It is. I think that we really need to encourage our parents to, again, shift that thinking. Uh, Just understanding that our citizenship is not here. You know, it is in heaven. Scripture says that and it reminds us that. And so when we look at um, encouraging parents is to have that understanding and the mentality that we are shaping or they are shaping, you know, their children for God's work, for his kingdom. And I remember something that happened in my own life when I was called to Kentucky. I was born and raised in Texas and called to Kentucky to serve with WMU. And when I talked with my parents about that move, now granted, I'm the only daughter, you know, in Hispanic family. So it's kind of like you stay home, right? For them, it was, you know what? We dedicated you to the Lord when you were one years old. And so we said we would prepare you and we would shape you for his calling. And so now he's calling. And so now is when we release you. What a different mindset to have as a parent, you know, and for a kid to see that, to see a parent say, we have shaped you for this. And if this is where the Lord is leading you, then go, you know, that is just amazing. So I see that if we can encourage more parents to think that way, then wow, what a mission sending we'll have within the home. So that is an incredible gift that your parents gave you. And not every parent, not every missionary that's serving has that experience. Well, I want to ask you a question. We've talked about the importance of missions discipleship, but I imagine there are some unique challenges to mission discipleship in the areas in which you serve, Alabama, Kentucky, Hawaii, Texas. Let's talk about the challenges that you face toward missions discipleship. Okay, well, I'll start. In 2020, I believe the population of Texas was around 29 million. Through the convention, of course, we're serving almost 6,000 churches. But if you look at Texas, Texas is huge. And we are a border state, and we do have natural disasters, as many other states as well. But sometimes, many times, people come to know the Lord through the service that they receive. And so meeting the needs sometimes is a challenge. We have the humanitarian crises that occur within our state, possibly along the border. Um, We also have tornadoes, we have hurricanes, we have all of those things in ways that we need to serve individuals. And so for Texas, you know, it's sometimes difficult to do that. I believe we're doing a great job, but I believe there's more work for us to do to meet those needs. I think for for Hawaii, one of our challenges that we often hear is time. There's not enough time. I don't have enough time. You know, a lot of families may be working multiple jobs. The kids are going, even sometimes many generations living under one roof. Uh, So you're trying to balance economics. And I've always heard, uh, when we talk about time, I I think I heard that the amount of sleep needed for the average person is 15 more minutes. So we're always thinking that we don't have enough time. But I think we just simply have to be creative. And even the pandemic has taught us now, we need to be creative in maximizing the time we have, minimizing the waste whenever we're disciple making, and be very intentional in where we're going to build into those that we're discipling a new DNA 
that can break down the obstacles and really build. And I think this is a golden opportunity for us. I think you both are right. Brother Mark, Liz? I would just say, you know, along the line of time, there's so many things that I believe our churches are competing with now in relation to children's ministry or children's missions and student missions. That time frame that used to be dedicated to missions, discipleship, and that teaching has made it a little difficult. You know, there, there, we're competing against elite sports. We're competing against all these other things that take up time. And so I think it's, it's kind of getting back to, are we carving out those moments to share? We have recognized that there is a decline in missions discipleship. So we need to start implementing it back into our churches. And I think Kentucky, as we looked at what is going on within our church landscape, there is a lack of missions discipleship in our churches. Our people are going, but they don't know all the specifics about going, you know. Uh, And so for Kentucky, we have decided to put on a campaign that challenges all our churches to have every church on mission. And missions discipleship is that big component. Very good. Thank you, Liz. Yeah, I was going to say, absolutely what you are saying, time and uh, so many things are not sacred like they used to be in terms of church world, but also the individual believer so often doesn't feel like they're uh, prepared or qualified to train or disciple the next generation, or even thinking that missionaries are just another contingent of people and they are not themselves called to be a missionary in their context. And so it's, it's helping blur that line a little bit to see each individual is a missionary called to go to their local context, but maybe the Lord would call them to use what God's given them to go uh, overseas or across state lines or across the, the world. So trying to blur those lines, people just sometimes struggle with that inadequacy or just not feeling like God could use them or they've not been discipled or trained or showed what it looks like before. So trying to raise up a new generation that goes with their parents on mission trips and sees that line together that we can do this together as a family, but with other church uh, leaders. Uh, So that's been a struggle we've had is just people feeling qualified and equipped for the task. Well, I am so grateful to each of you for joining us on the CP stage for our discussion, for the things that each of you have shared with us. And I want you to know how incredibly excited I am to serve with each one of you. You are missions role models for us, and we need your influence within your associations, within your state conventions, within the SBC. So thank you for being with us today. And thank you for joining us on the CP stage to learn about making disciples of Jesus who live on mission. The Great Commission has been entrusted to us. We have the very same assignment Jesus gave the apostles, but are we stewarding the assignment well? You've heard about the importance of missions discipleship. It is our responsibility to help our preschoolers, children, and youth develop spiritually toward a missions lifestyle. Visit WMU.com and click on Missions Discipleship to find resources for all ages designed to help you Make disciples of Jesus who live on mission. You can download free starter packs and try a sample. We'll see you next time.